of Exodus. After the Lord God had finished giving the tablets of the covenant to Moses on Mount Sinai, the Lord said to Moses, Go down at once. Your people, whom you brought up out of the land of Egypt, have acted perversely. They have been quick to turn aside from the way that I commanded them. They have cast for themselves an image of a calf and have worshipped it and sacrificed to it and said, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. The Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people, how stiff-necked they are. Now let me alone, so that my wrath may burn hot against them, and I may consume them. And of you I will make a great nation." But Moses implored the Lord his God and said, O Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people, whom you brought out of the land of Egypt, with great power and with a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians say it was with an evil intent that he brought them out to kill them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from your fierce wrath. Change your mind, and do not bring disaster on your people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants, how you swore to them by your own self, saying to them, I will multiply your descendants like the stars of heaven, and all this land that I have promised I will give to your descendants, and they shall inherit it forever. And the Lord changed his mind about the disaster that he planned to bring on his people. The word of the Lord. Thanks peace be to God. Lord, remember us for the love you bear your people. The Lord, remember us for the love you bear your people. Our ancestors made a calf at Horeb and worshipped a cast image. They exchanged the glory of God for the image of an ox that eats grass. Lord, remember us for the love you bear your people. They forgot God, their Savior, who had done great things in Egypt, wondrous works in the land of Ham, and awesome deeds by the Red Sea. Lord, remember us for the love you bear your people. Therefore God said he would destroy them, had not Moses, his chosen wood, one stood in the breach before him to turn away his wrath from destroying them. Lord, remember us for the love you bear your people. and praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Glory and praise to you, Lord 
Jesus Christ. God loved the world so much he gave us his only Son, that all who believe in him might have eternal life. Glory and praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. The Jewish leaders were seeking to kill Jesus because he was not only breaking the Sabbath, but was also calling God his own Father, thereby making himself equal to God. Jesus said to them, If I testify about myself, my testimony is not true. There is another who testifies on my behalf, and I know that his testimony to me is true. You sent messengers to John, and he testified to the truth. Not that I accept such human testimony, but I say these things so that you may be saved. He was a burning and shining lamp, and you were willing to rejoice for a while in his light. But I have a testimony greater than John's. The works that the Father has given me to complete, the very works that I am doing, testify on my behalf that the Father has sent me. And the Father who sent me has himself testified on my behalf. You have never heard his voice or seen his form, and you do not have his word abiding in you because you do not believe him whom he has sent. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life, and it is they that testify on my behalf. Yet you refuse to come to me to have life. I do not accept glory from human beings, but I know that you do not have the love of God in you. I have come in my Father's name, and you do not accept me. If another comes in his own name, you will accept him. How can you believe when you accept glory from one another and do not seek the glory that comes from the one who alone is God? Do not think that I will accuse you before the Father. Your accuser is Moses, on whom you have set your hope. If you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote about me. But if you do not believe what he wrote, how will you believe what I say? The Gospel of the Lord. Dear friends, after yesterday's pause to celebrate the great festival of the Annunciation of the Lord and the appearance of the Archangel Gabriel to Mary, what we are now doing is resuming what began with Jesus healing that paralyzed man or lame person who had been just kind of lying there beside the pool of Siloam for 38 years. And it ends up, because the Pharisees were complaining, especially because this had been done on the Sabbath and other things that they were beginning to hear, Jesus ends up now having a very elaborate discussion with them. And it's not by any means going to be the only such thing we will experience before we get to Holy Week. 
You know, something that was occurring to me when Jesus speaks about the works, the works, the very works that he's doing, the works that the Father has given him to complete, that these are the works that give testimony to him and ought to be believed. Here they are bitterly complaining about the very works that Jesus is doing instead of seeing in them a testimony to who is there in front of them. But as I thought about the works, I was reminded of something that we always teach our candidates for adult initiation as we are beginning to introduce them to the Mass and other celebrations of the sacraments. And that is to point out to them that they're going to hear the word liturgy an awful lot. And of course, for us Catholics, liturgy is a very, very familiar word. And I suppose probably a lot of Catholics, when they hear the word liturgy, the only thing they think of automatically is the Mass. But, you know, the root of the word liturgy, its Greek root is work. That's what it means in a secular setting. Work. And what is work, after all? It is that which produces and makes creative and continues to build on the creative activity of God himself in all work that is done. So, the liturgy is the work of God's people doing exactly the very thing that work is supposed to do. Liturgy is not merely a bunch of prayers. It's not merely a way to occupy time. Liturgy is an actual, active, positive work of making God present. Not because we can, by some kind of magic, make God present, but because God has willed that this is how it will happen in his church, in the power of the Eucharist and the celebration of the other sacraments. And because that is so potent for the building up of the church, and we may not even realize it, it's kind of under the surface of what we are and what we do, I suspect that that's part of the reason why we experience it to be so painful that we cannot celebrate the liturgy of the church in the manner that we're used to doing. With crowds assembling and giving praise to God, hearing the word, responding, and worshiping and supporting one another. Yes, we long to be able to do that work. So where do we go with it now? Let's go to the very source and deep within our own spirits. And what is the source of the liturgy, the work that saves? It is Jesus Christ. As he himself is continually pointing out in this argument with the Pharisees, the testimony is pointing to him. It is pointing to what God has wanted to do all along. Even if we cannot assemble for the work that we typically associate with being church, we can still work. 
As Jesus said at the beginning of this dialogue, we didn't hear these words because they would have been said yesterday, my father goes on working and so do I. Well, God the Father goes on working, Jesus Christ goes on working, and in the power of the Holy Spirit, so do we. We go on working by our prayer, by our keeping in touch with one another, especially those in need, by making sure that the spiritual graces that can and must continue to flow during this time will, in fact, do so. And this can be a wonderful, purifying time in its own way, purifying us from some of the idols. You heard all about that in the first reading, the golden calf, symbol of all idols, symbol of anything that becomes a stumbling block because it ends up in the place where God should occupy. This is a beautiful time for us to enter profoundly into the very mystery of God in Jesus Christ, whose work is continuing to go on in our hearts and in the spiritual communion that we all share. Let this not be a time for fear and for that kind of mindless sort of milling about that ends up producing nothing. Let it be a time of intense prayer and intense desire to continue the work of Christ. Then, when we are indeed able to assemble together again, we will all that much more appreciate how God's work goes on in the power of the celebration of the liturgy. Lord Jesus, be with us now and in all the days to come as we continue to do your work, as we continue to enter into the mystery of you. I want to mention one last thing, which I will mention again tomorrow, is that among the initiatives of our Holy Father, the Pope, Pope Francis has declared, as some of you have no doubt encountered somewhere or other, that tomorrow, Friday, March 27th, he is going to be standing on the front steps of St. Peter's Square, even though the whole square will be empty, and he will be initiating a very special time of prayer. On that occasion, he will confer the sacred solemn blessing that is referred to as Urbi et Orbi, to the church of the city and to the church of the entire world. And in the course of that blessing, which we usually only see him give from the loggia of St. Peter's above the front doors on days like Christmas and Easter, on that occasion, when he gives the solemn blessing, he is going to invite that all those who are present and watching unite with him in prayer and will receive, if they are properly disposed in their spirits, the plenary indulgence that is appropriately associated with such a blessing. We could go at great length into the whole business of plenary indulgences, but just be aware that what that means, in short, is that the temporal punishment due to all sin could potentially be removed. It could be a very powerful moment of grace for everyone who is watching and participating in that prayer. It will be such a powerful moment. So, 
make plans to be watching, if you can, on some show that's going to advertise or show what he is doing there. It will be at 6 o'clock p.m. Rome time here in the Diocese of Hamilton. That means 1 o'clock p.m. And wherever else anyone else might be uh, who is watching this, figure out the appropriate time for yourselves. But again, that is tomorrow. And it's yet another initiative for us to really draw into an intimate unity with Jesus, the source of grace, the living water, and with one another. We hope that our podcasts have been inspiring. And now, our pastor, Father Martin, offers a few closing words. Lent is a time to deepen our faith through prayer, penitence, and charity. We pray that our readings and homilies help you to prepare to celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, at Easter. Just as we display ashes as a mark of our faith on Ash Wednesday, please share the readings and homilies with others by inviting them to our website where they can find them all day by day. What a great gift to present at the altar on Good Friday that you helped spread the good news of our salvation. And thank you for your prayers and support.